welcome to the 36th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright, or contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com, or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. Before we get started, the usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead, turn back now if you haven't seen this movies. And this week we're talking about a smaller franchise, it's The Lost Boys. There are three movies total, and I bet most people only know about the first one. So here's the, the basics on them, The Lost Boys, the first movie from 1987, this is considered a horror comedy. It was directed by Joel Schumacher, who also did St. Elmo's Fire in 1985, Flatliners in 1990, and Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, and a bunch of other movies. It was written by Janice Fisher, James Jeremies, and Jeffrey Bohm, produced by Harvey Bernhard, and a little bit more on him later, and executive produced by Richard Donner. Corey Feldman is Edgar Frog in all three movies. Jameson Newlander is his brother Alan Frog in the first and third movie. And Corey Haim is Sam in the first movie. He makes a brief cameo in the second movie and a flashback in the third because sadly he had passed away uh, before the third film was complete. Uh, also stars Jason Patrick, who is in Speed 2, Rush, Narc, and other stuff. Uh, as Michael, Jamie Gerst, who's also been in a lot of things, including Twister, Solar Babies, This Is Us, Sally McBeal, and Kiefer Sutherland, who's been in 24, Young Guns, Designated Survivor, lots of other stuff, as David, Diane Weiss, uh, been in more things than we can mention, but Hannah and Her Sisters, Bullets Over Broadway, The Birdcage, Practical Magic, Law and Order, etc., and she plays Lucy, and Bernard Hughes is Grandpa. Score by Thomas Newman, and the theme song, Cry Little Sister, was recorded by Gerard McMahon, but a little bit more on that later. So that's the first movie. The second movie is called The Lost Boys, The Tribe, from 2008, so you can see... That's a big difference. Um, the first one was in 1987. The second was in 2008. And it was straight to home video. Directed by P.J. Pesk. Written by Hans Rodenoff. Produced by Basil uh, Iwank. I'm sure I said that wrong. I-W-A-N-Y-K. Um, and Philip P. Goldfein. The, scar, the score was by Nathan Barr, and this one has a few new Emerson family members. The first one, of course, had Michael, Sam, Lucy, and the grandfather. Their last name was Emerson, and this has two people named Chris and Nicole Emerson, and they are played by Tad Tilgenbrink and Autumn Reeser. There's also David's brother Shane, who interestingly is played by Keith Sutherland's half-brother in real life, Angus Sutherland. So that's an interesting addition. And Corey Feldman makes a cameo. 
Um, Corey Feldman appears here and also executive produces. And the score was by Ilya Kramal, C-M-I-R-A-L. And then the last movie is called The Lost Boys Thirst from 2010, so two years later. Also straight to home video. It was directed by Dario Piana, starring Corey Feldman, Casey B. Dolan, Tanit Phoenix, and Jameson Newlander. Music is, again, by Elia Cremel, um, Cremarl, and so that's the three movies that exist. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to do this is there's also um, talk of C.W. and Rob Thomas, who did iZombies, Veronica Mars, etc. They're supposedly working on a Lost Boys TV series. Um, they've been working on it for some time, but apparently they just reshot it with new characters as of a couple of months ago, uh, the pilot, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Where can you watch these movies? Amazon Prime has the first one for $4 and the other two for $3 each. They're also available in most of the usual spots, YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, iTunes. They are not on Shudder, Tubi, or HBO. Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first movie, The Lost Boys, from 1987, got a 74 from critics and an 85 from audiences, so that's really good. The second movie, The Lost Boys Tribe, critics uh, gave it a zero with seven reviews total and audiences gave it a 26. And the third movie, The Lost Boys Thirst, critics gave it a zero with six reviews total and audiences gave it a 34. So obviously the last two, very few people liked, but they did like the third one a little more than the second one. Uh, let's see, before we start the plot for the first movie, I wanted to play one of the songs. Uh, the Lost Boys has a great soundtrack, and this is Cry Little Sister by George. Slowly now. 
So again, that was Cry Little Sister, the theme to the Lost Boys by Gerard McMahon. And now to the plot of the movies. So the first Lost Boys is set in a fictitious town of Santa Clara. And Lucy, who's played by Diane, Diane Weiss, and her two sons, Michael, who's Jason Patrick, and Sam, Corey Haim, move in with her father after a messy divorce. And the guys go to the boardwalk where they run into some interesting characters. Sam goes to a comic book store, and he runs into the Frog Brothers, Edgar and Alan. They claim to be vampire hunters. And then Lucy is in need of a job, so she goes to the video store. So, if you're a little older, you might remember those. And she talks to the owner there, who's named Max. They hit it off, and so she gets a job there. Uh, Michael sees a girl named Star and is instantly infatuated with her. And there are four guys on motorcycles that are hanging around, and they challenge him to a race. And they are Marco, Paul, Dwayne, and David, who's the head of the group. 
so they have a motorcycle race. They also almost get him um, to drive off a cliff. And they get him to hang from a bar um, underneath a railroad track. So all sorts of dangerous stuff. And it turns out that these are not ordinary guys. They are, in fact, vampires who want Michael to join him. So they trick him into drinking vampire blood, and then he becomes a half-vampire, and that's the same as Star, what's how Star currently is, and her adopted son, Laddie. So Sam enlists the Frog Brothers to help, because he doesn't know what to do, and there's an eventually an all-out battle. Oh, before that, there's a fun dinner scene where they're trying to see if Max is a vampire or not. They feed him tons of garlic. They do all sorts of things to him. So that's a really funny scene. So eventually, there's an out-and-out, all-out battle. And all of the vampires appear to be killed but David. And a little bit more on that. Um, Well, David looks... Well, let's just go over it now. So David looks like... He's dead, but he doesn't die the same as the others. And there's a line in here from Edgar that says, all vampires died differently, um, which would explain that. But it looks like, I think it's a gazelle, the gazelle horns. Uh, Grandpa was a taxidermist, so he's got all sorts of horns laying around all over the place. It looks like the gazelle horns missed his heart and were just on either side of it uh, when they punctured him. If so, that means that David is still alive. Um and would be available for future sequels. The rest of the vampires explode. Um, so they're, they're definitely done for. So when David looks like he dies, Michael and Star still don't change back. So that leads them to believe that they have not killed the head vampire because the, uh, the mythology is if you kill the head vampire, then anybody else who is under his control will revert back to human. And that's when we get the surprise twist. The head vampire is actually Max, and he wanted Lucy to be his partner, and so he planned to get to her through her sons. Seems like quite a convoluted plan, but hey, whatever. Um, And it looks like uh, they're all goners when he changes into his vamp form, but just then Grandpa drives through the side of the house, and some, I think they're logs, come off and pierce Max, and he is dead. And after he dies, then everybody else uh, reverts back to their normal self. And it turns out that Grandpa knew all along that there were vampires in Santa Clara. So that's the first movie in a nutshell. Uh, It's a lot of fun, so I definitely recommend it. Now the second one, we'll talk about some trivia um, and more specifics about this a little bit later. But the second one... The Lost Boys Tribe is set in a fictitious town called Luna Bay. Again, it's on the coast. And here some surfer dudes invaded a private beach. And Tom Savini, if you will remember, we talked about him during the um, George A. Romero podcast. But he's been in tons of stuff. He's known as the Godfather of Gore. Um, because besides acting, he's done stunt work. He produced... I'm sorry, directed the 1990 remake of uh, The Night of the Living Dead. Um, And he has done all sorts of stuff. So, turns out he's a vampire here, and you think he's going to chop on these guys, but nope, that's not what happens. In fact, they're all vampires, and they end up um, lopping off his head, and they throw it into the ocean. 
So we don't see Tom Savini for very long in this movie, but it's a fun intro. If the rest of the movie was this good, I really would have liked it. So uh, in this one, a brother and sister named Chris and Nicole arrive in town. Their last name is Emerson. And their parents were killed in a car accident. And the head of the Serper Vampires is named Shane. As we already mentioned, he is Keith for Sutherland's uh, in-real-life half-brother who played the head vampire David in the first movie. So that's a fun tie-in. Shane takes a liking to Nicole and tricks her into drinking vampire blood. And now she's well on her way to becoming a full-fledged vampire. And Chris enlists the help of Edgar Frog, which of course is Corey Feldman, to rescue her and take down the vamps. In this one, their nest is... The first one, their nest was an old abandoned hotel. And this one, their nest is an old abandoned mine. So everybody fights for their lives. Um, turns out Nicole puts a stake through Shane and saves her brother Chris's life. Uh, Chris ends up chopping off Shane's head to seal the deal. And then he ends up bursting into flames. So the siblings, Edgar and some guy that was almost drained of blood by Nicole, survive. I guess they live happily ever after. Um, and during the credits, we see Edgar confront a vampire Sam, who's Corey Feldman. This is his cameo. And they begin to fight, and the screen goes to black. So Tribe is not a horrible movie, Um it had some good parts in it. There's just not enough plot to to make it really good. Um, if they, yeah, I really like the intro. I like Keith for Sutherland's half brother. That was pretty cool, uh, and a few of the fight scenes. Um, but I just didn't see enough of character development from the siblings to really care what happened to them if they lived or died or not. So that's the second movie, and then. Before we do the third movie, I'd like to play another song from the first Lost Boy soundtrack. This is called Lost in the Shadows by Lou Graham.
again, that was from the first Lost Track movie soundtrack, Lost in the Shadows by Lou Graham. And now onto the plot of the third movie, which is The Lost Boy's Thirst. This is set in another fictitious town called San Cazador. And we see a flashback to five years early in Washington, D.C., where Edgar and Alan Frog stop a senator from vamping out on someone. But unfortunately, during this uh, uh, conflict, Alan becomes a vampire. And then that, next in present day, we see a woman named Gwen who approaches Edgar. And she asks for help in finding her brother Peter, who disappeared during an, what she's calling an ex-party. So the vampires, led by DJ X are feeding the ravers vampire blood at these parties in order to create a vampire army. Edgar eventually agrees to help and is joined by comic book store employee Zoe, reality um, TV star, I think, uh, what's his name? Hans? Lars. Lars von Gertz and his cameraman Klaus. And they found out the next rave is, just happens to be in their town, and it's on an island that had a, a slaughterhouse that's now abandoned on it. So they sneak in, they confront the vampires uh, one by one in the underground tunnels, and then DJX, meanwhile the party's going on uh, on the main floor, DJX eventually is killed, but none of the vampires change back. So he's obviously not the alpha vampire. Then after f freeing Peter, they realize they have made a mistake. Peter is actually the alpha vampire, which was a good twist. I enjoy that. I didn't see that coming. And he wants Edgar to keep doing what he's doing, which is hunt other vampires so he can decrease the competition for him. Edgar, of course, refuses and... Peter sticks his brother, Alan, who shows up at this point, on Edgar. And uh, it's not looking too good for Edgar. And then Edgar sprays some water from, a, I guess, a pipe onto Peter. And we weren't sure what that was going to do since it's not holy water. But he then recites something in Latin. And we remember that he mentioned earlier in the movie that he was an ordained minister thanks to a website. So he's turned it into holy water, and Peter has a meltdown, and that's the end of him. And thanks to his death, Alan is turned back into his normal self, and he wants to spend a lot of time at the beach because now he's able to go out during the daylight. And we see him there reading one of Gwen's books. And then Edgar visits Zoe back at the bookstore or comic book store, and... He's been doing some reading about werewolves. So they can, apparently can change anytime they want to and they don't need a full moon. And Zoe says that's interesting and she turns her back to him so that we see her, the camera sees her, and surprise she has scary eyes and she looks like she's a werewolf. So there's more going on to Zoe than meets the eye. And if the show were to continue, I think this would be a fun direction having Edgar battle some werewolves for a change. So that's the three movies. Now on to some trivia. Let's see. Here's some general trivia. So a four-issue comic book series was released in 2008 by Wildstorm called Lost Boys Reign of Frogs. 
and it is set between the first two movies and revolves around the Frog Brothers' further adventures in vampire hunting. A miniseries called The Lost Boys was released in 2016 by Vertigo, and it tells the story of Michael, Sam, and the Frog Brothers trying to protect Star from her sisters, who are known as the Blood Bells. Then there's a novel by Craig Shaw Gardner that's based on the original movie, and it was published by Berkeley Publishing and is 220 pages long. There were plans to make The Lost Girls after the original movie, but it never panned out. And Joel Mocker, Schumacher has tried several times to reboot this series, um, but was not able to um, make it happen. Let's see. Now to the first movie, Lost Boys. Had a budget of $8.5 million and a box office of $32.2 million. The film only runs for 98 minutes, so it's not very long. Richard Donner, remember who he mentioned, he's the executive producer of the first movie. Um, and you may recall that we talked about him last week during The Omen. Um, he originally intended to direct this movie himself, but he was busy with 1987's Lethal Weapon, so that's why he gave it to Joel Schumacher. This is the... Uh, the first film that the two Corys appeared together, and then after this film, they obviously were paired in a number of other movies and became officially the two Corys. And they also had a reality TV show. Feldman was in The Goonies, Stand By Me, Friday the 13th, The New Beginning, The Burbs, and a lot of other stuff. The movie was filmed in three weeks. So, very fast turnaround time. Uh, Keith Sutherland has won a number of awards, including an Emmy, a Golden Globe, two SAG Awards, and two Satellite Awards for his work in 24. <coughs> Excuse me. Diane Weiss has won an Academy Award, a Golden Globe Award, and a SAG Award for Bullets Over Broadway, an Emmy for Road to Avonlea, an Emmy for In Treatment, and a SAG Award for The Birdcage which I just love that movie. I watch it over and over again. Mary Lambert was at one time brought in to direct this movie, but left due to creative differences. And one of the lines from Edgar in this movie is, which I had referenced a little bit earlier, no two bloodsuckers go out the same way. Some yell and scream. Some go quietly. Some explode. Some implode. But all will try to take you with them. So this explains the different uh, kinds of death that we see throughout the series. Uh, we see at one point a vampire turning to stone. We saw Shane catch fire. We saw a lot of them explode. Both the bandstand and the comic book shop that were depicted in the movie were destroyed in 1989's Loma Prieta earthquake. And the comic book shop uh, relocated and exists somewhere else now. The Santa Cruz Chamber of Commerce, because this was actually filmed in Santa Cruz, they were not thrilled with the reference to the murder capital of the world, which is what we saw on the back of the Welcome to the Santa Carla sign when the, they first entered town. But they actually had already had that moniker because... During the 1970s, there were several serial killers that were operating in the area. And they would not approve uh, for the show to film there 
unless they changed the name of the town, so that's why it became Santa Clara instead of Santa Cruz. The original script called for much younger characters, but Schumacher would not sign on unless they aged them up to teenagers. Uh, the original story is based on Peter Pan, in which the boys visit at night and they never grow old. And in the video store, we see a copy of Goonies, which I already said Feldman starred in, and Richard Donner, also directed. This movie invented the phrase vamp out, which has since been used in several uh, vampire movies. And the Santa Cruz Boardwalk airs the Lost Boys each summer for free. In the comics, Grandpa was a secret vampire hunt, was in a secret vampire hunting group, and Gerard McCain wrote "Cry Little Sister" after reading the script, but not having seen any of the film. That's the first music clip that we played. There is a Rob Lowe poster in Sam's room. This is a homage to Schumacher's earlier film "Saint Elmo's Fire." And we're going to play a total of four clips from the first uh, Lost Boys movie. So besides Cry Little Sister, um, we also have People Are Strange, which originally was by The Doors, but this cover's done by Echo and the Bunny Men. We're going to play um, Lost in the Shadows by Lou Graham. Um, and Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Roger Daltrey. And lastly, I Believe by Tim Capello. Marilyn Manson also did a cover to Cry Little Sister. And the Frog Brothers are named Edgar and Allen um, in honor of Edgar Allan Poe. Lucy's name is a homage to Bram Stoker's character in Dracula. And the movie hired some 2,000 extras to hang out on the boardwalk for several nights during the filming. This was the largest film production there at that time. The name Michael is said 118 times, and uh, it's pretty funny after a while. I, I guess they, I don't know, I don't know why they did it so many times, but it's pretty funny after a while, because that's all they ever say is Michael. Uh, Jim Carrey was considered for the role of David. Can't really see that. Uh, ben Stiller was considered for the role, I don't know if it's for David or for one of the other vampires. And Fred Gwynn, Herman Munster, was considered for the role of Max. Both Corey Feldman and Kiefer Sutherland were in Stand By Me Together from 1986. And Schumacher wanted Feldman to base his character on Rambo and told him to watch the movies. I think that's why he wears a headband. Either that or headbands were just big back then. Um, Corey Feldman was fired for drug use. Uh, when he couldn't stay awake on set, but Schumacher later rehired him after he promised to show up prepared, which he did going forward after that. And Schumacher was later hired by Andrew Lloyd Webber to do Phantom of the Opera, which was released in 2004, uh, because Webber appreciated his use of music in this movie. Uh, Tim Capello plays the greased-up sax player, uh, if you didn't know, he was also Tina Turner's sax player and played with a lot of other famous bands. And in the comics, the oil he uses to grease himself up with is actually holy water that protects him from the vampires. In the comics, he's also referred to as the Believer and is a vampire hunter. 
And apparently Capello tends um, lots of cons and <laughs> has uh, sells a, a line of body oil. So that's pretty funny. Um, so let's hear from Tim Compella. This is I Believe.
trivia on the original movie. The contact lenses the vampire wore were glass and hard because soft contacts hadn't been invented yet and they could only wear them for a few minutes at a time. The tear you see from David during that close-up was actually because his contact lenses were hurting his eyes so they kept it in the shot because it it worked with the uh, plot there. The cool aerial shots um, that are supposed to depict the, the vampire's view as they're flying around were done actually to save money. So they did as many aerial shots as they could in the beginning, and then they uh, saved uh, the rest of the budget for the big showdown at the end of the film. Schumacher was originally looking for a blonde female lead. Jason Patrick recommended Jamie Gertz instead, who has dark hair, um, and that actually worked better anyway because David had bleach blonde hair, so that makes him stand out. This movie, um, as I said, helped launch Joel Schumacher's career. Um, he had already done St. Elmo's Fire before this, but at the beginning of the, his career, he was a costume designer and window dresser. <coughs> uh, Keith Sutherland, you might not know this, was engaged to Julia Roberts at the time of filming. They broke up. And she took up with his co-star, Jason Patrick. So I'm not sure what that did for uh, on-screen tension, but that's pretty rough. And the most famous line in the movie is probably what Grandpa says at the very end, one thing about living in Santa Carla, one thing about living in Santa Clara, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. So that's pretty funny because up until that point, he just seemed completely oblivious to what was going on. There's also um, kind of a fan video that is on YouTube. I had heard that it was supposed to be nine minutes long, and I can only find one minute of it. It's called The Lost Boys New Breed. Uh, basically, they play a little clip of the Lost Boys in the beginning, and then they say that the vampire epidemic has reached New Jersey, and so they all turn into vampires and attack each other. So... I'd be interested to see the rest of that if we could find it sometime. Uh, if you know where it is, please let me know. Um, let's see. Also on YouTube is something called the Lost Boys panel, Jason Patrick and Keith for Sutherland. So they talk about their making of the movie. It's 44 minutes long, so that's interesting. In the Chinese food scene, 
where Michael is eating with the vampires and David says, you're eating maggots, and he looks down and the maggots are wiggling around. Originally, they couldn't get the maggots to do much, so they had a maggot wrangler who had to squeeze lemon juice on them in order to get them to wiggle for the close-ups. There's also a fun podcast called Lost Boys Movie Minute by Radio of Horror, and they go over the original movie in five-minute segments. So there's a lot of great information there. David tells Michael, you'll never grow old, you'll never die, but you must feed. And this line is repeated several times in the other movies. An alternate ending has a scene post-credit with the remaining vampires back in a sunken hotel. And it was also supposed to show a mural from 1900s that showed Max looking exactly as he did when the family met him. While this sets the stage for future movies, I kind of like the ending where Grandpa saves the day, so I'm glad that they stuck with that. Now on to trivia for the other two movies. There isn't as much for these since they were direct to home, but The Lost Boys Tribe. Before this movie was made, there were several possible options for a sequel. One is a prequel that followed how David became a vampire. Two was The Lost Girls, as I'd already mentioned. Three, something called Lost Boys Devil May Cry. And there was also supposed to be a remake of the original at some point since uh, it was 20 plus years old um, at the time of making the second movie. Chris and Nicole's last name is Emerson. This is also Michael and Sam's last name, as I said. And I was confused as to how they were related. Chris and Nicole say their parents died in a car crash. It was originally speculated that they are Michael and Star's children, but they are too old. So then it was speculated that Chris might be Laddie hiding under assumed identity, but that doesn't work for the timeline either. It's later revealed that Chris and Nicole are Michael and Sam's cousins. So that's how they're tied in. And Angus Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland, and their father, Donald Sutherland, who we talked about in our Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake episode, um, all played vampires in movies at one point. (coughs) Corey Haim was supposed to have a bigger role in the second movie, but it was reduced to a cameo at the end due to his drug relapse. Um, Let's see. The Corys were the only cast from the original to appear in the sequel. Jamerson Newlander returned for the second movie, but his scenes were deleted, so we didn't see anything of him. And Aunt Jillian, when she comes to visit Chris and Nicole, she brings a copy of Goonies, which, as we said, film and start in. There's a scene of a shirtless guy playing a saxophone at the beginning of the movie. That's a homage to The Believer. Uh, he obviously, uh, has on a few more pounds than, um, the Believer, but that was a fun homage. And check out, too, on YouTube, the Tribe Alternate Endings. One has Sam telling Edgar that Vampire Alan is on his way back to town. And then we see a scene of him driving a muscle car with completely blacked out windows and a camera for navigation. And then the second is the same scene, 
but this time Sam shows Edgar that he was bit on the neck. Uh, let's see, before we do the third movie, I'd like to play Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Roger Daltrey, again from the first movie. Can't 
trivia from the third movie, The Lost Boys Thirst. Despite turning down a role in the third movie, Corey Haim announced he would take part in a fourth movie, but he died from pneumonia before the project began. Um, and they have a few um, flashbacks of him, and they have Edgar visiting um, Sam's grave as, a, as an homage to him. Uh, let's see. After Edgar is thrown into a shelf of comic books, a copy of Lost Boys' Reign of Frogs can be seen. And the opening in which Alan and Edgar are battling vampires at the White House is from the comics, but it turned out just to be a story that Edgar had told. The production company Warner Premier had planned a follow-up movies and TV series in which uh, Edgar and Alan returned to fight vampires, but the studio went bankrupt. The Gwen Lieber character in this movie is a reference to Stephanie Mayer, author of The Twilight Zone, and Feldman says he resented he resents her because she makes vampires look sexy. And Megan Fox at one time expressed interest in being in a remake of The Lost Boys, but that hasn't happened yet. Okay, why should you watch these movies? Uh, the first Lost Boys is the, a quintessential 80s movie. So these vampires look like MTV hairbands with big hair and rock star clothes. They aren't the sparkly vampires that we just talked about from the Twilight Saga. Um, but when they go full vamp, they're pretty scary. So if you want to see, get an idea of what 80s movies were like and 80s fashions were like, check out that movie. Okay, on to the recipe. Um, I already did some recipes with garlic a while back, so this time I'm not going to do that. Instead, I found a list of um, foods popular in Santa Clara, and it is from uh, the website Spooner University. And it is called 50 Foods You Must Try in Santa Clara Before You Die. So Santa Clara has a big Mexican influence, and uh, obviously a lot of seafood since it's on the coast. So let me just highlight a couple of these. It lists um, the food and uh, the restaurant it's from. So just hit a couple of highlights. There's a crab sandwich from Riva Fish House. That looks really good. Um, there are a number of different... Uh, tacos from different restaurants. I love tacos. Enchiladas from Tortilla Flats. Um, let's see what else. I'm just scrolling through it. There are a few smoothie dessert type uh, things in here. There's salsa and guacamole from Manuel's Mexican Restaurant. There is duck fat popcorn from West End Tap and Garden. Like regular popcorn, but fancy. Pair this with a nice cold pint of brew for a perfect start to your meal. There's something interesting called gargonzola and spinach shells and garlic bread from Gail's Bakery, which uh, 
That looks interesting. That's quite a sandwich. There's classic hot pastrami from the Surf City Sandwich Shop. Some macaroons from Kelly's Fresh Bakery. Pulled pork fries. This looks interesting from the Cowboy Barn Grill. If you like pulled pork and you like fries. Sweet juicy pulled pork. A spicy kick from a jalapeno glaze and gooey melted cheese atop a mountain of fries. Sign me up for that. There is um, a great looking fruit tart from the Farm Bakery and Cafe. Buttery tart shells, cradle, cradle soft, sweet custard filling, and layers of fresh, perfectly placed fruit. The fruit tarts from the farm are just as much a work of art as the items in their gift shop. And can't forget the boardwalk. There's funnel cake from the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Overpriced, of course. Low calorie. No way. Uh, you don't even want to know, but it looks really good. There are a few, um, as I said, seafood recipes, and let's see. Here is clam chowder bread bowl from Stagnero Brothers. So uh, it's a longtime local favorite, and it's New England. Clam chowder is iconic as the wharf itself. So if you like seafood, that's the place to go. I think I have like two more that might be good. Let's see. Ah, here's, here's the last one. Cali Benny from Harbor Cafe. If X Benedict and a California Club had a baby, this masterpiece would be the result. Instead of a classic English muffin and Canadian bacon, this version sits atop an open face uh, croissant and features regular bacon and avocado. And... At the restaurant with killer Bloody Marys and dog-friendly outdoor dining, how California can you get? So check out, I'll include this in our notes, but check out foods that are popular in Santa Cruz, especially if you're going to be near there. Um, and then lastly, in conclusion, um, I definitely recommend seeing the first movie, watched it again after many years this weekend in preparation for this podcast, and it holds up surprisingly well. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, can't necessarily say the same for the second two movies, although I didn't think they were as bad as other people seem to think. Um, they're just not great. So... If you, you know, if you want to complete the series, definitely check them out. Um, if not, stick with the first movie, and let's hope that the CW series um, is as good as the first movie, and maybe we'll get a reboot at some point. Who knows? I mean, we don't need a reboot, reboot of the original movie, but they reboot everything anyway, so... Um, I just don't know if the reboot can ever live up or top the original movie. We saw the reboot last week of The Omen. Um, and while it was okay, it really it didn't top the first movie in my opinion. 
So anyway, that's what we got on the Lost Boys franchise. So we'll meet you back here next week. And until then, remember, garlic doesn't work on vampires. Holy water does. Garlic does not. Steaks do. But you have to get them in the heart. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.